Hello and welcome to Radio Press. In association with Skullvera. This is Ronan McAuliffe. And I'm Lily Hogan. This is the first of what we hope will be a regular podcast in 2021. Are you excited, Lily? Yes, I am. Everybody in the programme is a transition year student in Prez and we're similar in Skullvera. I'm very honoured to be a part of what may be the first of its type in Cork. Well, stay with us for the next 30 minutes or so as we have something for everybody. Techies, historians, music and sports lovers will find something to interest them in this podcast. I'm really looking forward to our drama feature with our special guest, Kieran Ahern a teacher at Prez who was an actor for 25 years. So without further ado, let's raise the curtain on Radio, Radio Prez. Prez. Time now for the Radio Prez news, read by myself and Lily. Thank you, Ronan. January 11th, 1569, the first state lottery was held in England. Tickets were sold at St Paul's Cathedral. January 1st, 1622, the Catholic Church adopted that date as New Year's Day. January 1st, 1801, Ireland added to England, Scotland and Wales by the Act of Union. January 24th, 1972, a Japanese soldier was discovered on the island of Guam. He did not realise the war had ended 28 years before. January 30th, 1972, in Derry, 13 Catholics were killed by British troops on Bloody Sunday. January 1st, 1973, Ireland, Denmark and Great Britain joined the EEC. And that's the news on Radio Press. Up next on Radio Prez in association with Skullvera, with me, Iman, is Daniel Healy with a teenage diary about COVID-19. 13 minutes past eight on a dark October Tuesday morning. I'm in the car with my mother, four minutes later than usual after sleeping in. I have everything I need for my day in transition year, I think. Wait, my mask. Now a permanent fixture in my everyday life in order to fight this global pandemic we call COVID-19. Outside my passenger seat window, you couldn't tell the difference between this and the October mornings before this terrible virus which now dominates the headlines. It's icy cold, the coldest morning of the year. The trees are covered in icicle-like spider webs, and the early morning sun beams against the ice on the pavement, glistening against each windscreen that passes by. I step out of the car and inhale. The frosty air embraces me like Jack Frost giving me a huge bear hug. As I walk into my school, I reminisce about my school life just eight months ago, when I entered through the same entrance as 18-year-olds who shave twice a day, and first years whose mothers still buy their underpants. I used to squeeze past two burly fifth years in an attempt to reach my bottom locker, and as efficiently as possible, I'd fill my bag with the books I need for the day, all the while trying to avoid getting swept away by the incoming tsunami of weary students. Ah, good times. Today I walk around the school and pass a packed teacher's car park en route to the fourth year entrance, a recent addition to my morning. I'm enough of a thoughtful individual to pull up my jacket collar as I try to find a caring teacher to provide me with a temporary mask for the day. My search is rewarded as I'm given a disposable one. It's itchy and irritates my skin, but don't worry about me. I'm a trooper, a prime example of the everyday sacrifices I make to save lives. I walk into my classroom and think of years gone by, when the walls were richly decorated with insightful and interesting posters that I always took the time to read. The faded one about Shockton Nguelga 2010 is particularly vivid. I survey the classroom, looking at my fellow scholars, Each individual conversation can be heard throughout the class due to the metre gap between desks. Another way this epidemic has adjusted my formerly so simple school life. My teacher walks in three minutes late wearing a mask and a visor. He pulls down the protective plastic that separates him from the grubby little children and my academic day begins. Lunch. We eat and chatter gradually begins to fill the classroom as the pupils of 4B begin to wake up properly. After 15 minutes we venture outside to the concrete jungle we call our schoolyard. A fresh air break, I believe it's called. I can't say I'm fully sure why it's called that, as we still have to wear our masks, 
In fact, the only difference from indoors that I can gather is that my blazer is now damp from the gentle drizzle. I miss the canteen and its sticky floor, but what can I do? Covid has brought these changes into my life. Sometimes I take a moment just to appreciate how lucky the country is to have an individual as selfless as I. Beep. The end of my school day has arrived. As I enter my chariot home, also known as the 220 bus, I thank the ever-cheerful driver and he responds with a jovial grunt. He must be in a good mood today. Once I reach home, I eagerly begin my homework, determined to learn more about multiplying improper fractions. Well, no, not exactly. Not at all, in fact. Walking in the door, I'm full of good intentions. My plan is to take a ten-minute break and begin my homework. My bed welcomes me in, offering a welcome respite from my responsibilities. As my eyes drift off, my final thought is, what harm has a ten-minute nap ever done? The answer to that is none. However, a -a three-and-a-half-hour nap, on the other hand, has done some harm as I'd soon come to find out. What is that sound? A constipated ogre, a lonesome horse. Close, it's my mother, and quel surprise, she's angry. In my semi-conscious state, I gather that I'm late for training. There really is no rest for the wicked. As I reach the pitch, I'm yelled at by my GA coach, clearly not too bothered about social distancing, as he feels the need to come right up close to my face, only to inform me that pricking around will get me nowhere. Cheers, Trevor. Very helpful. I begin training. Yes, to an onlooker, it may seem odd that we are directly disobeying the government's orders by doing full contact training. At first, I also found this a little strange. However, Trevor quickly reassured us all that P2 hurling is P2 hurling, and that the Taoiseach would understand. Once I arrived home, at half nine, there was always only one place I was going to end up. I crawl into my laba, and my mind casts off to all the homework I have to do. Don't worry, I tell myself. That's a problem for future, Daniel. I drift off to sleep, ready to embrace another Covid day tomorrow. I dream sweet dreams of my old life and the canteen which my heart yearns for. And now on Radio Prez, Mark O'Connell will be taking us to one of the most culturally diverse and interesting neighbourhoods in New York City, Jackson Heights. Hi Ronan, thanks for having me on the show. Today I'll be talking about Jackson Heights, which is a small neighbourhood in New York City. The reason I chose this topic is because my mom grew up there and I have many family members living there and they've been living there for the past 80 years and it's the first place I travelled to in the world when I was five weeks old and ever since I've been going back frequently. Jackson Heights is located in the northeast corner of Queens which is a borough in New York City. It is home to 61,844 people and is densely populated as it is only one mile or 1.6 kilometers from east to west and north to south. Some people in Jackson Heights would be living in apartments with up to 16 other people to save money. Obviously, this is a nightmare for the coronavirus pandemic, and as a result, the neighborhood was badly affected. But other than that, there's many positive things about Jackson Heights that I'll be getting into. So the 7 train is the main subway, or the subway at least I take a lot, that goes through Jackson Heights. It is nicknamed the International Express because of how culturally diverse the neighbourhood is. There's 150 languages spoken in Jackson Heights and Elmhurst, Elmhurst being a neighbourhood near it. Queens itself has 800 languages spoken and Jackson Heights and Elmhurst have 150 languages spoken each. Even Irish is included in that, which might surprise a few of you, but here we are. It's unlike many neighbourhoods in New York City as you'll have Chinatown or Little Italy where bunch of people from the same nationality would be living together and close together. However, Jackson Heights is a rare sight as you'll have so many different people from different parts of the world living together. 
Another big advantage is because it's so small, you only have to go one block, two blocks to get, you know, food from every different country in the world. Like you'll have a Polish restaurant, Indian restaurant, a South American restaurant, a Chinese restaurant. You don't really don't have to go that far if you're living in Jackson Heights. You might not even want to travel. Another really fun fact um, is that the inventor of one of the most infamous board games ever, Scrabble, was actually born in Jackson Heights. Alfred Butts was his name. I think that's a very interesting fact, as many of you listening will probably have played Scrabble. And then the last thing I'd like to say is that it's called Little Hollywood. A lot of Hollywood actors in Los Angeles used to buy apartments there and live in Jackson Heights. There's one thing I have to say is that, you know, when people think of New York City, a lot of people just think of Times Square and Broadway and, you know, the glit and glamour. This is like a real, like, working-class neighbourhood in New York City. It's just a a real change of scene, I suppose, from what people think New York City is. I think everyone listening should visit there next time they're in New York, if they are in New York. I've been Mark O'Connell. That's the latest on Jackson Heights. Back to your own. Now for our sponsor, Mizzenhead Outdoor Clothing and Footwear, a retailer of top brands including the North Face, Timberland and Vans. At Mizzenhead they are passionate about the great outdoors and want to provide you with the ultimate range of outdoor clothing and footwear. Go to www.mizzenhead today to get your outdoor clothing and footwear this winter. With fast and free delivery, Mizzenhead is the only place to go. Only at www.mizzenhead.com Up next on Radio Prez, we have Isaac Lee who will be bringing us a tech talk on the latest tech gifts. I'll start with the iPhone 12, a brand new phone which was just released in late October. Without a doubt, this phone is an expensive one and is a very luxury product. And as you'd expect from a phone at this price range, it's very fast. One of the best phones at a cheaper price tag is the OnePlus Nord, which is packing much of the flagship high-costing features at a much more respectable €400. Next up is the brand new MacBook lineup, which has had a massive upgrade, but once again, the price tag is a hefty one, as you would expect from an Apple product. The PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X is a great idea for a birthday present, if you can find it in stock. But if it's a gift, ensure you buy the right one, as it is very specific for whom they play with. A great accessory to go along with the new consoles would be an updated gaming monitor, with a minimum of 144Hz, which allows the monitor to show 144 frames per second and is recommended to have if you're looking to make the most out of your new consoles. Other great gift ideas include video games such as FIFA 21, Call of Duty Cold War for its reportedly great Zombies game mode and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Another recent game is Cyberpunk 2077 with Keanu Reeves voicing the main character. You can always play it safe with the purchase of an online gift card and please make sure it's for the right platform because purchasing a gift card for the wrong platform is a massive headache to deal with as they cannot be returned or exchanged. If you're in the market for a new set of headphones, maybe look at the OneSonic brand, a not well-known audio brand. Their headphones have been recommended by Newstalk and are a great buy if you're looking to support Irish businesses, as they are designed and based in Ireland. Smart watches such as the Apple Watch and Samsung Watch are fantastic products and are great for fitness tech enthusiasts. These fitness watches can come equipped with onboard music storage, allowing you to go phone-free to the gym or running while bringing your music along. A speaker is also something to look for for teens with musical interests. For example, the JBL Flip 4 is one I would recommend due to its high volume range. Another great gift that TV show and movie enthusiasts would love would be a subscription to streaming services such as Netflix, Hulu or Disney Plus for their superhero and Disney lovers. 
All of these gifts mentioned are fantastic, and if they fit into the price range, are perfect as gifts or presents. So that's this week's Tech Talk. I've been Isaac Lee. Back to you, Ronan. And now on Radio Press, Ross Daly will be sharing his insight on racism and injustice in the modern world. Hi Ronan, thank you so much for having me on your show. Today I'll be talking about racial inequality. My name is Ross Daly. I'm a white, cisgendered male and I'm using my privilege to discuss something that I will never face nor truly understand. As someone as white as printer paper, I realise my privilege in this matter and know that while it's good for my voice to be heard, can't ever be the loudest and I have to be sure that nothing overshadows the voices who have truly experienced racism in their lives. I will be sticking with this definition from ADL.org. Racism is the marginalisation and oppression of people of colour based on a socially constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people. Personally, I feel that while this description is clear, it's quite textbook and does not truly express how far back racism dates and how it's not just a case of equality at this point. We have to know what we did and rectify it. Equality is literally the bare minimum, yet we're not even there. It's abhorrent that still, black people are being slaughtered, and it's taken the outcry of millions just for a sense of proper acknowledgement, let alone a voice. Due to a lack of proper education on such an important and real topic, a lot of people I know believe racism to be a discrimination of races. And while yes, that is absolutely true, it goes far deeper than that one line. Racism has existed for hundreds upon hundreds of years, whether it be clear or not. As previously mentioned, coming from a white background, we are not given a proper education as to what racism is. But why would we? I say this with the experiences of myself and others. We cannot be taught what racism is because our teachers are not black. We come from a predominantly white society, and because of this, we can't even begin to comprehend what racism is because those who must educate us and those in power have never experienced it. The N-word. As a 15-year-old boy who goes to predominantly white school, hearing or seeing the N-word is commonplace. What's also common is hearing excuses about how they don't say it when black people are around, or I don't use the hard or, or usually my black friend gave me the pass, it's okay. I will attempt to be as clear as the light of day when I say this. If you are not black, you do not say the N-word. However, while I must bear in mind that, as previously stated, these are kids who don't understand the severity and history behind that word, it must still be noted that letting people get away with this, as this is dark humour, is how racism starts and will only encourage them. Due to this, I feel it is necessary to properly educate kids on such a crucial topic. To quote race expert Dr. Jakai Stanford, the word survival is an act of redemption by black folk. The word survives on the conditions that black folk have inscribed for it and nobody else can take that, and it becomes violent when other people try to take it and use it. It is with this I implore you to delve into the complexities and history of the N-word through external research, as I feel I would not do it justice if I were to discuss it in its entirety. White privilege. We live in a world that is essentially founded upon the racial hierarchy. At the top is, of course, white people. Before I go into this topic, I would like to say that though privilege in itself is not necessarily a bad thing, denying its existence or not using it to advocate for people who are not given the same opportunities is the problem. Now I continue on with my point. Because white people benefit from a society that marginalises people of colour, we are inherently racist, and we must constantly be vigilant about what really goes on in the world around us. While doing research on racism, I admit I got into several heated arguments with people who denied the existence of white privilege, who say that their lives were also hard and they suffered tragedies too. I'll be as clear as I can in this. Everyone's life is hard. Everyone will experience unfairness in different ways. But because I'm white, I will never be discriminated against for the colour of my skin. In short, that very argument is similar to comparing worrying for your life because you fit the description with having a relative die of old age. While both are tragic and of course have an impact on one's mental health, only one of those problems should not exist, because it stems from a real issue. 
According to a study done by Stanford University, in which they recorded over 93 million traffic stops, they found that black people are 20% more likely to get pulled over. This is so, so important as it gives a clear demonstration of the societal racism that exists in our world today. In my time writing this, I have always wanted to be as clear and concise as possible with what I say and mean. This is no exception and I fail to find how I can make the absolute blatant racism any clearer. We as white people are given far more opportunities throughout our lives. We are more likely to get jobs if our names are something along the lines of something white-sounding, such as Sam Johnson, rather than if our names were more black-sounding. In each subject I have mentioned, there is one common source, that being sheer ignorance and refusal to learn. As stated prior, racism is believed to be a touchy topic. However, I believe that racism is not a touchy topic if you're not a racist. In this script, I have attempted to write and speak about a fraction of the systemic racism in our world today. However, this should not be anyone's only source of information. I beg you to do your own research so you can truly see the problems that are never shown in full detail. While I stand by everything I have said, there is only so much I can possibly talk about in such a short amount of time. Thank you. Welcome back to Radio Prez in association with Skullvera, with me, Iman. It's now time for the Sports Hub, with Leon and Emmett talking about the life of Diego Maradona. On this week's Sports Hub, with me, Leon. And me, Emmett. We are going to talk about the wonder that it was, Diego Maradona. The 25th of November 2020, a day that changed football forever. The whole world was deeply saddened by the passing of a legend, Diego Maradona. Diego was born on the 30th of October 1960 into a poor family which lived on the outskirts of Buenos Aires. Maradona had shown an interest in football from a young age, being spotted by a scout when playing for his local club at eight years old. Beginning his career in Argentina, Diego's exciting style of play attracted millions of fans across the world. His quick feet, ball control and understanding of the game, combined with his low centre of gravity, is what set him apart from a lot of players in his position. He was seen as a godlike figure on the pitch by Argentinians after winning a World Cup in 1986. On the road to the final, he had arguably one of the most memorable performances after scoring two famous goals, the Hand of God and Goal of the Century, both in the same game. He then went on to lead Argentina to a 3-2 victory against West Germany in the final. These were some of the highlights of his career. However, it wasn't all smooth sailings. In his club life, the Argentinian made his big move to Europe in 1982, joining Barcelona for a then world-record-breaking fee of 5 million. Two seasons later, he left the Spanish side to join Napoli for yet another record-breaking fee of 7.5 million euros. He was a player every team wanted. He made a great impression at the club, scoring 115 goals in the time he was there. According to Maradona, he had a gentleman's agreement with the club authorities that he would leave after the 1990 World Cup. Maradona had alleged that Napoli had gone back on this promise, causing him a mental setback and turning him to drugs. After serving a 15-month ban for failing a drug test for cocaine, Maradona left Napoli in disgrace in 1992. One of Maradona's lowest points in his career was when he was sent home from the 1994 World Cup for drug usage. He was given another 15-month ban, which ended his international career. Following his retirement in 1997, he continued to struggle with drug and alcohol addiction. In the year 2000, he encountered a near-death experience after a heart failure due to cocaine. This was not to be his last time in hospital, as in the following years he was in and out due to drugs and alcohol. In 2008, after cleaning himself up, Maradona took to the sidelines and for the next 12 years he was managing a range of different teams. Unfortunately, he didn't have much success as a manager. On the 25th of November 2020, Diego Armando Maradona sadly passed away due to heart attack. 
His tragic death was honoured by players and clubs all around the world, with Napoli even naming their stadium after him. Diego was a brilliant player to watch, and he changed the game of football forever. Welcome back to Radio Press. That was Leon and Emma there with the Sports Hub. Now, for any budding young journalists listening out there, we go to our reporter, Olin Sheehan, who recently caught up with Luke Murphy, editor of the UCD Tribune. I'm here with an exclusive interview with the editor of the UCD newspaper, the College Tribune, Luke Murphy. First of all, what inspired you to get into journalism? I'd actually probably say it's a mix of kind of just enjoying English in school and then my nana as well, who was always buying me books and, you know, always sort of kept me involved in English and reading and stuff. And then um, that kind of pushed me to English in college. And then when I was kind of through going through first year and second year, especially with an arts degree, you have to decide what you want to do with your degree because it's not like law or engineering where you're going like a straight shot into that exact profession. It was a combination of all those factors that kind of led me to pursue journalism and going into the paper in UCD. As editor of a newspaper, what exactly do you do? So on a day-to-day or even like on a week-to-week, what I'd do is I'd host kind of like daily meetings where we'd go through the news of the day I'd assign stories to different people. Uh, I'd be going through the emails, so that would include any sort of people that want to advertise us, any news tips, press releases for people that want to promote things. You'd kind of oversee that. You'd oversee all the sort of admin side, which would be just making sure everyone has their emails, everyone has the right contacts. Kind of in the evening, during the week, every night, you'd get the story sent back to you. So you'd edit them, go through them, make sure you're happy with them, and then you'd bring them to publishing. So online, we'd go through, uh, upload them to our website, find relevant photos and images, make sure everything's credited and it reads well and we're happy with it, publish it, and then we'd also make sure that everything goes out on our social media platforms, being Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Then if we were doing a physical paper, we'd have stories from the previous two weeks given to us on a deadline day which will be a Thursday and then over a weekend from Friday to Sunday we have a graphic design um, program where we design the paper and then send it off to Webprint which are actually based in Cork and they'll print out the paper for us and then deliver it to our office on Monday morning and then we distribute them out throughout UCD on the Tuesday. What would you say to a young aspiring journalist who may be listening to the podcast? What I'd say to them is, if you want to go into journalism, you don't have to do a journalism degree. You could be doing any degree that you want, as long as you have a passion for writing and as long as you kind of enjoy writing. And it doesn't have to be news. It can be about music, films, whatever you want. And I'd just say, once you get presented with the opportunity, obviously that will mainly come in college, just get straight into it. Uh, in first year, you know, don't be afraid to to jump into it. You know, it might be a bit of a slow start, but things pick up quite quickly. And just show enthusiasm, show that you're ready to to write and do anything. And at the end of the day, you'll gain a lot of experience from it. You'll enjoy it and you'll make a lot of new friends. But just jump into it from the start in first year. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Oh, that's absolutely no problem. I'm glad I could help out on For over a hundred years, tours have been part of Rugby Union, 
For 25 of those years, Irish Rugby Tours has been bringing schools, colleges and clubs to the far corners of the globe. Despite the disaster of 2020, none of our clients lost a deposit. We are now organising innovative plans for when the sport reopens. Why not visit our site at irishrugbytours.com or better still, contact us to talk about our ideas. Girls play rugby too! Welcome back. Now on Radio Press in association with Skullvora. Our original and exclusive radio play, written by TY student Ronan Murphy and featuring TY student Charlie Collins, alongside Press teacher and actor Kieran Hearn, this is Repetition. Good afternoon, Mr. Collins. I'm Officer Kubrick. I'm just here to get some details about what occurred. Your honesty may help your case. Yes, I understand. Great. Now, would you please answer a few questions about yourself before we talk about what happened? Just to ensure we have the right personal information. Could you tell me your date of birth, please? 3rd of March, 2003. Full name? Alex P. Collins. Full address? Apartment 26, Bridgewater Manor. Ah, that's the crime scene if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. Could you tell me, please, on what specific date did it happen? Maybe the, uh, 14th? Uh, I forget. Well, considering the nature of this incident, it seems like something you would remember. Well, I apologise, officer. When you're stuck in the same room for six months, things feel so monotonous. When you've seen all the films... I've read all the books. You just sit in boredom. I didn't wish to talk to anyone. It just felt pointless. Waiting for so long, time grows to become a distant concept. Interesting. Is this extreme dissatisfaction the reason why? I don't follow. Why what? Is that why you murdered him? Oh. I'm talking about your roommate. Because you were frustrated. In a room with him for six months. Yes. He deserved it. What do you mean? I mean he was driving me insane. The little things that really sealed his fate, if I'm honest. Like what? He never cleaned up. Not once. I told him so many times that he should just put some effort into cleaning the kitchen or some such thing. But he insisted on living his piggish lifestyle. This wouldn't have been so terrible. But when the privilege of genuine human contact is revoked by a virus, things can become... Annoying and frustrating, then enraging. As if missing the best of my teenage years of my life wasn't bad enough, I was forced to spend them with someone I despise. If you spent the recent months in such close quarters with someone you loathe, you would empathise with my tendencies to do what I did. They grow on you like a vine that slowly creeps up your back until you've had enough, until you fail to control it. The only difference between me and anyone else in my situation was that I was pushed far enough to carry through. I don't understand. With such a disdain for him, why didn't you just leave? I have a serious health condition that affects my lungs. I couldn't leave the apartment. Why not move in with your parents? Well, they're retired. Lucky enough to sell their house and escape to the sun in some far-off land before coronavirus. I envy them. They don't realise how fortunate they are. Couldn't you rent another apartment? Well, I was trapped there. I had paid my rent for the next six months, and I'd lost my job. 
Staying in that godforsaken apartment was the only place to remain physically healthy, but the one place that would guarantee my mental degradation. But retrospect is of no use to me now. Just an instrument of pain and regret. So do you regret what happened? What are you writing? Sorry? You little notebook. What are you writing? You should calm down, Alex. You should shut up. Well, you lose your temper quickly, don't you? What are you writing? Just tell me. Oh, nothing. Well, I would kill you were I not restrained. Like your victim? If anything, I was the victim. But what kind of subverted logic is that? Oh, please. I was suffocating in that hole. Every day I woke up and it felt like my bedroom was just a bit smaller. The walls were closing in on me, like I was in some mechanical crusher. And all this claustrophobia exaggerated by the presence of him. I saw him leave and return hours later after spending the night with friends. No consideration for my life or others. And it felt like an insult. He was conscious of my condition and continued to put my life at risk. Although the thought that he could be infected petrified me, I still preferred when he left the apartment. Peace and quiet was the only thing I held sacred. It gave me time to reflect on things. How much my life had been taken by coronavirus. How I might never experience certain things because I became too old. I wouldn't be sitting here in such a miserable state if this awful disease hadn't stolen my happiness. My freedom. Long before I ever thought of violence. Mr. Kubrick, we haven't even been in the same room together for 30 minutes. But I still know that if we were confined for much longer, we would plunge ourselves into conflict. Imagine being stuck in a room, slightly larger than this, with me for six months. I think you would begin to comprehend my motivation significantly better, given enough time. Even you would eventually resort to violence with the same continuous agitation. Can you picture it? If we had to share the same bathroom, same kitchen, how long we would last? Even if I hadn't yet grown to hate you, do you see how that with enough time, is an eventuality, not a possibility. We aren't built for confined spaces, and we are pushed to our extreme with other human beings. Chaos is inevitable. It can happen to any of us. It's simply human nature. I've already served my sentence. At least in prison, I'll have my own cell. There are no single cells where you're going. Hmm. Well then, I might just see you here again, Mr. Kubrick. Well, that concludes the first edition of Radio Prez in association with Skolvura. We hope that you had as much fun listening to this as we had making it. This podcast was recorded in the Republic of Work Studio, Cork's fully equipped podcast studio on the South Mall. We are grateful for the support of our principals of both schools, without whom it would not have been possible. Our thanks to the advertisers whose contributions will go to share. The programme was produced by Aina Olinchig and with the wonderful sound engineer Elaine Smith. I've been Lily. I've been Ronan. Thank you for listening to Radio Radio Prez. Prez.